What's going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with John Coco over Zoom video. John was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts, and he talks about how he got into music, picked up a guitar and started taking lessons. I think he said sixth grade, gave it up quickly and revisited the guitar in high school. After high school is when he really got involved in writing songs and he ended up starting a band. They played a bunch around Boston, ended up getting some label interest from New York and Los Angeles, had the opportunity to come to Los Angeles to record at A&M Studios. And on the final day of recording the record, it's finally finished. They find out that A&M is closing their doors. So we heard that part of his journey, but it all leads into a gig that he ended up getting where he was asked to help write music for a movie trailer. He talks about how him and his partner at the time stayed up all night to work on this movie trailer. They ended up getting the job, which led to more work for them in, in that niche market of the music industry. So he talks a lot about that, getting jobs you know, with No Country for Old Men or The Departed, uh, Batman, Spider-Man. He's done so many different films and it's such a cool perspective of that side of the industry. But he also talks about his new record. He has a solo album he just put out. He talks about what inspired him to start writing this record. And we hear all about how it was put together. It's called Chasing a Dream. You can watch our interview with John Coco on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be rad if you subscribe to our channel like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be awesome if you follow us there as well and uh, hook us up with a five star review if you have time. It would mean the absolute world to us. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with John Coco. Thank you so much for having me too. I mean, I, yeah. I really appreciate it. Of course. Really I'd love it. You have such a cool journey from what I'm reading uh, about you and like, you know, with, you know, writing music for film and, and that stuff. So I'm curious on that. And of course we'll talk about yeah. your new record as well. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. cool. Well, so you were, were you born and raised in Boston? Is that what you said? I was. Yeah. Okay. Um, what was that like? Um, very uh, suburban blue collar upbringing, right? My dad is electrician. Mm -hmm. Mom, you know, uh, homemaker. And, but I, but I got the music bug early on, like 10 or 11 years old and started picking up the guitar. My mom got me a cheap guitar and, you know, took the, uh, the guitar, guitar lessons, but, um, um, I didn't like it so much. So I dropped it. Mm. But oh, then when I got in a, I, <laughs> then when I got into high school, um, I picked the guitar back up again. Mm -hmm. And then from that point on, I didn't look back. Um, what changed? And, you know, do you know? Like, I think it was girls probably number uh, one. Okay, sure. Yeah, and, cool um, then, and then, you know, just the love of music, just, you know, the mechanics of it, just the, you know, putting chords together. And, um, you know, way back when I didn't, I wasn't singing at all. So it was all about the music, the melody lines, you know, and, and how everything connected uh, uh, together, you know, mm -hmm. it was like, like a piece puzzle piece i mean uh, you know pieces of a puzzle mm -hmm. um so that that was it and you know high school girls and um uh, were you in a band in high school 
Yeah, well, it was it was this little pickup, a, a, a bunch of guys that were in in high school with me. We were called the Five Little Seeds because <laughs> we had to smoke a oh, little bit. So you. we got, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a great name. All right, let's <laughs> use it. But you know, um, nothing really serious until right after high school when when I really started writing songs. You know, uh, you know, legitimately, <laughs> and okay. then. And that, like, were you still in Boston at this point? I was, yeah. Did you yeah. go to Berkeley or no? No, no. I'm, okay. I'm self, self, self-taught. Um, wow. You know, that, okay. that one time I took lessons when I was 10 for about was six it? months, that was it. And then okay. I guess, you know, I have, I ha- have an ear, you know, I, I hear something and I can, I can play it. And, mm-hmm. you know, doing the composing thing is, is I use the guitar a lot, but I use the, key, the keyboard and a piano a lot too. So mm-hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't profess to be, you know, a piano player or a keyboard player, but I can do it where, where, when we're in, you know, a, a, a studio setting, let's say. I wouldn't be able gotcha. to perform anything live, but. Okay. Yeah, so no, 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 no lessons, uh, really. And. Um, um, but you said you started writing songs like out of high school. Like, was it right. something you decided when you graduated? Like, I really want to pursue a career in, no. in music or like how did no, that happen? No, 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 no. Um, well, kind, kind of, yeah, a little bit because. Um, you know, starting to put three chords together and, and a little bit of melody lines here. And then um, I got I got a, a scholarship to college uh, for springboard diving because I was I was big uh, in, in, on the uh, swim team throughout high school. Wow. And, I was on the swim team, too. It's funny because yeah, I just I just interviewed somebody like the like the last interview I just did was also on the swim oh, team nope. and swim in college is bizarre. <laughs> So I went to college. Uh, I only only went one year, and that fir- that one year that I went to college, music really started taking over for me, and I was playing all the time. I I played more than I actually went to classes. So that was the end of that right there. Sure, and okay. at that point, that's when I really, really, you know, thought that hey, maybe I can I can get a you know give a give this a go, and uh, found a bunch of guys up in in Boston to start a band. And then, then we were we were off to the races and and uh, started uh, writing original music. And it was like a like a three piece kind of power punk band, you know. Back then mm-hmm. in Boston, it was kind of they called it garage rock, you know. This this really dissonant, more um, you know, more attitude and, and emotion, you know, r- rather than you know, um, very melodic and 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 orchestrated, you know, songs. It was more like an attitude mm-hmm. and. Um, so that that's what that's what got me started uh, back then. Band, we called ourselves Scared of Horses, <laughs> and okay. then and then a few years went down the road there, and we changed the name. Did you guys like? I mean, was that kind of your your full time thing at that? Like, were you pursuing it as like, okay, we're going to try to get signed, we're going to tour? Like, how? Like, no, did that ever that, happen? That and not at with that, that band? point. Um, uh, I was doing electrical work because my dad an electrician. So okay. that was, that was how I was paying the bills. And, you know, those, those few years, um, you know, we started doing shows around the Boston area, Providence, Worcester, and mm-hmm. um, we got, uh, we got fairly popular. And so we started doing uh, recordings. We wanted to, you know, record a record. And then at that, at that point, that's when, when things took a, a, an even, you know, more serious turn because the song sounded really great re- recorded wise and mm-hmm. we caught a little bit of attention from some people 
you know, out in Los Angeles and in New York City in, in, the, oh, in wow. the record record business. Okay. Nothing ever came of it, but we, you know, we had their ear, right? Right, so right. We we just kept kept on going and um, you know, played around the Boston Boston scene. We changed our name of the band to Swag. Okay. And, uh, That's a good and, name. you know, get to think back in that was in back in the uh, early mid 90s that we okay. had this name and nobody really knew what what Swag was. We did because I, I got a job in Boston as um, working on a crew that set up uh, PA systems for the, one of the bigger clubs, you know, oh, where all okay. the touring bands would uh, would come through, and the tour managers would hand us, you know, t-shirts and baseball hats and keychains, and and you know, he, they'd go, "Here, kids, here's some swag." So I oh, thought, yeah, yeah, "Oh yeah, 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 that's yeah a cool sure." Name. All my buddies hated it. They go, what, you, what are you naming your band? I'm like, Swag. Like, ah, come on, man. And I'm like, no, no, we're doing it. We're doing it. So well, it's, it's like, you can have, swag. yeah, Swag, like giving away free swag or like you got Swagger. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's cool. Swag was another swag. thing. Yeah. You know, that's like, you know, dirt weed or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Swag. I remember that. <laughs> Anyways. So that yes. you got a little bit of attention from, you know, the out, uh, or at least LA and New York. And, mm-hmm. How do you make it to Los Angeles at this point? So, or is that years later? Serendipity, really. But no, it, 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 like around 95, um, we had sent, we were sending our little, uh, recordings everywhere and we caught the interest of, um, the chief engineer at AM Recording Studios out in Los Angeles. Wow. And he loved the band and he said, I, I dude, I want to record you guys. So, the next next two years, he was coming out to Boston. We were jumping into a studio. He would record us and, and produce, and then we'd fly out to Los Angeles for a weekend, and he'd record us uh, uh, there. And then I think we did this for a couple of years, you know, while we still played in the Boston area. And then mm-hmm. um, around 98, uh, David said, you know, you guys should come on out here. You know, we'll set you up at A&M Recording Studios. We'll do a record and then we'll see what the label thinks. And we're like, sure, let's do it. And um, yeah, so we huge. packed it up and we, and we headed out to Los Angeles. And uh, we, we, you know, crashed on a, a buddy of ours uh, sofa uh, and uh, um, their living room chairs and, and one of the spare, the storage rooms or something. And then, and then we were, uh, during the day and afternoons and early evenings, we we're at AMM recording studios recording what would be, you know, our, our debut, debut record. Uh-huh. So that, that was like, wow, we were, we were like, this is cool. You know? Yeah. That's huge. You know, you know the, the, the world was wide open at that point. We didn't, you know, no, no real expectations, but we're starting to think about mm, maybe this, you know, may, you know, we're hoping maybe this could could work out. Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, right, right when we were getting to the mix phase of a, of a handful of songs, we're in the we're in the, one of the studios, and uh, one of the A and R guys came in and he was like white as a ghost, and we're like, what's the matter? What's going on? And he said. A&M Records just closed their doors. And we're like, what? We couldn't Whoa. believe it. And, and Dave, the chief engineer, he's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, oh, he didn't even know. He didn't know either, right? And oh, so, he's like, well, now I'm out of a job. Oh, my right. gosh. So we're all, that, was, that was a total bummer right there. Right? Yeah. And so, and I'll never forget, the drummer said, 
50 plus years this label's been around and they decide to close the day that we're almost finished with the record. <laughs> yeah. So we're all wow. devastated really, you know, the studio itself and, mm -hmm. and us, the label uh, personnel, everything. And, um, you know, we, th we thought, well, well, that's it. Uh, you know, you know, what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. And, but we had the songs because we didn't really sign the dotted line at that point. So we yeah, I was going to ask music. you that. So you actually still had the, the, the recordings and everything were yours still. Yes. So you yes. were able to take them with you. I did. So we, we, and, and, and at that point we started playing in, in Hollywood quite a bit. We had played at almost every club at, at that point. And we started to build a little following in, in Hollywood. And, were you playing and, just uh, like the local clubs around there? Or yeah, like, you, you know, the okay, whiskey, yeah. whiskey and, and Viper all the, Room you know, things. The yeah. Viper Room. And there was a place called The Gig on Melrose. Okay. And there was a, a crappy little club, club up in Santa Monica Boulevard called The Garage. And I mean, we played, played all of them. Um, and uh, so, you know, we, we had, we finished, we, well, what really happened was, a&M Recording Studios was on the A&M lot. So when they, when they shut down the, the label operation, mm -hmm. the studio was in limbo. They really didn't know what was going on. So they never told them to close their doors and they never gave them, a, they never told them, you know, what was up. So they just, they just continued to, to operate. They were getting their, they were still getting their paycheck. So, oh, okay. So we were able, like the label essentially was closed, but then the, the studio, they didn't quite shut down yet. So bands right. were still coming in and recording. Got right. it. Okay. And, and every day they didn't know what was going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but we, so we were able to go in and finish the record. And what ultimately, what ultimately happened was that Henson, you know, the Muppets, Henson mm -hmm. had bought the A&M lot and they told the recording studio that you guys are safe. We're going to keep you intact and, and going. So ultimately they, they, they survived all that and they, oh, they yeah, ended up. It was, it is Jim Henson. Is it still yeah. Jim Henson studios now? Yeah. Henson. Studios, oh, wow. Yeah. A guy I went to college with his brother works there as like a mixer engineer or some, yes, of some great sort. studio. It's, yeah, it's really that's awesome. crazy. Yeah. I they didn't took, realize it's the same lot. Yeah. They the took same the, studio. They took the A&M sign down and put Kermit the frog up there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> On La Brea and uh, Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> wow. So anyways, okay. yeah, we, we, we were able to do that. So we had the, the, the record and we shopped it around a little bit, but, but no, one, um, no one took it. So, you know, okay. we just decided, all right, well, now what we're going to do, we might as well just keep on playing mm -hmm. in Hollywood, which is what we did. Um, and then at our shows that we're playing, there was, there was a lot of editors film editors and producers mm -hmm. and directors that would come see our show. And we got to be friendly with, with quite a handful of them. And um, one, one day, uh, one of the editors asked us if we'd play a, a party, an annual party that he, that he ha would, uh, had at his, at his place mm -hmm. up in the Hollywood Hills. And we said, sure, we'll play it. We'll do a bunch of covers. We'll play some originals and all that. And we did, we did the party and um, we stayed up all night that it was a, like, you know, one of those classic Hollywood parties that, that you read about. Um, and like two days after that, um, we get a phone call from one of the editors asking if we'd like to submit some music to a movie trailer that he was working on. Oh, and we wow. Said, yeah, sure. Right. And, uh, the next question was, when do you need it? And, and he's like, tomorrow. And we're like, oh, shit. 
Yeah. I, I, tomorrow? Are you kidding me? Right? It was already like four o'clock in the afternoon. Did so you we know said, what, yeah. Did you have like the, like, was it just submit a song or did you yes. get to look at the, the edit of the trailer or any of that? Yes. Yeah, so, so strangely enough too, back then they were, they were running, they had runners the run back and forth yeah, you know, yeah i think yeah. it was a cd back then or a beta or something uh -huh. nothing you know it was it wasn't nothing was flown through the internet at this point it wasn't wasn't that a, that that good of a technology mm -hmm. so the guy said oh we're going to send a runner over and, uh, with the picture and uh you guys can cut to this and this is what we need you know orchestral piece type music and and we're like we're scared. And we're like okay, we're gonna give it a go. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. And we called, made a bunch of phone calls, and got a a, a Cubase uh, recording system. It's it's some it's similar to Pro Tools. Okay. We stayed up all night trying to. So do you this ended up going to buy a recording get rig just. We to borrowed try this. To... No, no, we oh, borrowed this borrowed from it. a friend. Okay, right? okay. So you borrow it. Yeah. And basically to just be like, okay, let's see if we can, if we can pull yep. this off. I mean, yep. yeah, got you. Okay. And we, you know, we stayed up all night. This is the, we as Jamie and I, that was the guitarist in my band, Jamie Anderson. And, um, we stayed up all night to do this piece of music and we finally finished it like, you know, seven, eight o'clock in the morning. The runner was going to come at like nine 30 in the morning to pick up all our stuff. So we had a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of oh, cushion man. there. And it was like a 55 second piece of music that was orchestral and had some drum stuff on okay. it, right? Kind of upbeat, you know? And I was trying to figure out what, what movie it was back then. I thought it was Sandlot 2, but that, that came a little bit later. And I, I'm forgetting what that first movie was that we did for it. Mm -hmm. So anyways, the guy comes and picks, picks it up from us. And a few hours later, we get a call from the editor and he goes, we love it. We want to use it. And we're like, wow, Ooh, yes, that's cool. Thanks. So um, we get to, uh, you know, try to figure out how much we asked a few editors that we knew how much we should charge for this. And um, we came up to a, a number of $6,000 mm -hmm. and we're like $6,000. Holy mackerel. So they accepted it and that was it. We were in business. And mm -hmm. Jamie and I thought, oh my gosh. This is this is crazy, you know. So yeah. the very next day, we went out and bought a Pro Tools rig. And uh, we, okay. And we set up shop, and the phone calls started coming in. We would do we we just it it just it just took off from that point. We were doing before you knew it. We were doing music cues for Spider Man One that came out, Spider Man really? Two, wow. Begins. I mean, we just we happened to just hit you know the the right combination of people that were working on these particular projects they loved our music we were we were timely with it and we weren't price gouging any of them mm -hmm. we, we kind of figured out you know the lay of the land a little bit of of where we should be and so it just it just skyrocketed by and that was in 2000 2001 by 2004 we were doing almost you know all the movies that were coming out of hollywood at least were getting you? a cue or two in the movie trailers for and television spots for, you know, the big blockbuster films. Wow. So when you say a cue, just because I'm, I'm not too familiar with this side of the industry, really. Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. I've interviewed a handful of people that have have done this, but yeah. I'm curious. So like you at first you get the trailer and you you write the music to the trailer. Yeah. And then once you get other pieces, is it like, OK, we need music for this scene. We need music for this bit like how like what what were they pitching to you so um in 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 the trailers um 
you know, they're quick, they're quick edits usually. Right. right? Yeah. So it's more, it's more about emo- emotion, you know what I mean? And, and excitement. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're always uplifting type pieces and it's, you know, they'd, they'd give an example of a piece of music that they would like that, you know, we could, uh, uh, do a likeness of, or just, you know, a stylized, you know, genre or something that, that they wanted. And we'd, we'd, we would just go for it. And then way back then in, in the beginning, we would get the actual picture itself. So we could pace, you know, the piece of music that, that was needed in that particular part of the trailer or the whole trailer itself, you know, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. they were, they wanted us to do. And, um, so, um, it was, it was that, it was that kind of back and forth with the producer and, and the editor of the, the movie trailer in, in what they wanted, you know, and we'd go okay. back and forth a little bit, do revisions sometimes here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, once in a while would hit, would hit the grand slam on the first version, but usually would, there'd be a little bit of tweaking here and there, but mm-hmm. it was mostly, you know, um, uh, instrumental, um, orchestral em- element to it, you know, big drums, um, you know, heavy guitars sometimes. And then, you know, there was an, you know, there was a, a handful of sound design type things that were going on, you know, more, more, uh, um, emotional type, uh, sounds and, 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 you know, soundscapes. And so, and a music cue could go anywhere from like five seconds to, you know, a minute and a half, a minute, 55 seconds. They always laid, you know, somewhere between there, 10 seconds and, and, and a minute, you know, sometimes they would edit it shorter as well. And we'd, you know, we'd still get, we'd still get, um, a full, the full thing. amount of, right, right, right. right. They use. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. well, how long did you do that for? Or are you still doing so it? So I, yeah, I still do it on a very small scale. Um, 2000 and, 2008, 2007 ish, Jamie and I dissolved a partnership. We had a partnership uh, doing this from 2000 to about 2007. And we called ourselves Swag Music Group because the band was swag. So we, right. we needed a name. So we That's called cool. ourselves Swag yeah. Music Group. And then um, I, I continued on my own as Lucky 13 Music. Uh, Jamie uh, did, did his uh, with J tracks and he also got into voiceover. So he's kind of, sh- he was kind of shifting a little bit. Okay. And me, I was kind of drifting. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was shifting. I was drifting. I didn't know what the heck was going to go. You know, I, uh, at that point, you know, I completely stopped the, the artist life of my, myself completely went into this composing thing. Mm-hmm. And so. Which um, is essentially still art, right? I mean, you're writing songs yeah, for films. It, you know, <laughs> Yep. Creative. I mean, yeah. it was, there was a, there was a, a cookie cutter element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one time we were, we were doing music, got asked to do music for basic instinct too. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that movie completely tanked, but they wanted to change the hunt kind of formula for, for trailers, trailer music and asked us if, you know, we could do this different approach. And, um, it was, it was using actually elements from Jerry Goldsmith's score from basic instinct one to kind of, beef that up or something like that. Well, the, you know, the, the, the focus groups that, that look at these things, they, it didn't, didn't test well. So they said, oh, okay. eh, let's go back to the old, old way of doing it. Okay. So there was a, there was a chance, there was a moment there where they were going to change things a little bit, but it's, it's pretty much the same stuff, you know? Well, now they kind of use like, now they'll pay for what writes of big songs and do that and well, put those in the trailer or that some, was happening then. And you would just add the in between elements. That was, that was happening then. 
that okay. was happening then. But I, you know, I I don't know if they do it in as in a, a larger scale than than what they used to. You know, back then, strangely enough, there was only like six six different entities that were doing this trailer music. We were one of them. Mm-hmm. And then by two thousand seven, two thousand eight, there was like. I, I, I see there's musicians coming out of the woodwork wanting to right. try to do this this, okay. this niche of the business that we had no idea existed when we started. And then we made a great career out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody, you know, now, I mean, if I had to, had to do this all over again, it's it's way too daunting. I don't even think I'd be able to, to do it. probably oversaturated with people now. Oh, there's way, there's yeah. way too much. There was a point there where everybody was giving music away for nothing. So it was, it was diluting the, the, the value of it all too. I uh-huh. mean, it was just, it was a crazy time between 2008 and, and 10 that things were, were going on. Okay. But now there's a lot of, a lot of different companies, you know, there's a lot of musicians that will submit music to some entity that collects all these, these pieces of music mm-hmm. and, you know, gives them 50% of publishing and like maybe a couple hundred bucks or something. And then, yeah, know, there's companies that will now you can pay for like a service, like almost like a right. Netflix that you can but the reality of it is, is that, or whatever. Yeah. The reality of it is those guys are making thousands of dollars on these cues. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't, we we didn't have one of you know we were our own entity with the relationships with the with the movie studios and the trailer houses so you know we didn't have to give away anything to anybody you know we we had it all and you know you get a lot of money for some of these music cues if you know even if you do a cover song you know sometimes we'd we'd do cover songs and that would be a master sync uh, license and you get a good amount of money for it depending on you know the popularity of the song that uh that they're going to cover so wow um yeah really really <laughs> i mean crazy if you asked me back in you know when i was playing in boston whether i'd be doing something like that i'd say you're crazy there's you know, there's no way you know because <laughs> sure, i was sure. you know i wanted to be a rock star back then you know <laughs> yeah. i wanted to follow in the footsteps of the beatles and and uh bono from you too <laughs> yeah which <laughs> is know? interesting because even the bands like i had a I was interviewing somebody and like they had this uh, perception of this band that came out of their town. He's in this band now, but he was younger than the band and then they got successful. And then he ended up joining the band when they needed a a player recently enough. And he was just saying like, yeah, it was crazy to see. Like I thought that these guys were like millionaires and they're doing all this stuff. And then you find out that like, that's not (laughs) even a fraction of what was happening, but the allure of like, being having the songs on you know certain things now i mean this is not that long ago and right. just kind of the, the idea of like they're like the 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 beatles and obviously the beatles but like the the yeah. the, the rock stars of like the 80s when it comes to like the hair metal bands that were just like girls and partying and all that stuff like it's it's so few and far between now with the way music is consumed it's just such oh, yeah. a different world absolutely absolutely um, Yep. That's funny. Yeah. Well, that's awesome that you guys were able to cut through and do that. I mean, still yeah. be creative, still have a career in the music industry and right. even in the film. I mean, that's awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, there was nights there where like, uh, you know, like anything. Right. Trying to get through the night, you know, but, but for the most part, it, it was cool. I, I do, you know, uh, later on in, in the, in the, uh, 2010, 12-ish, I did, we did start to play again, you know, we'd do one show a year 
in, mm-hmm. in Hollywood and, and people would come, come out to see us play. So, but I, but I never really started performing again, like I used to prior to this composing thing until I moved here to Nashville. <laughs> and okay. then, then I started writing and playing again, you know, back, you know, a few years prior to that, it was just one show a year in, in, in Hollywood. Okay. And, um, so, so moving decided, here, it kind yeah, of changed to make the move that changed the whole. Yeah, it changed how you're. Yeah, I wasn't quite music, sure. Yeah. You know, the trailer stuff and, and the music cues. I had, you know, I have two uh, boutique libraries that that you license off of, but um, the industry had changed a little bit, um, and you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't like going after it, like you know, and, and it wasn't coming to me like it was, you know, the years prior. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't quite sure what to do, so I just started playing again, you know, doing acoustic things around here and, and you know, writing crappy songs for a little while and, you know, just kind of getting back into getting that muscle working again to, to playing and, and, and singing. And, know, so. and now you have a record out. I know, Chasing this is crazy dreams, too. So like, I mean, So tell me about this. Like, when did you decide to go? Let, I mean, obviously you're playing around town and stuff, but yeah. was it... Okay, let's. I'm I'm ready to put a record out. I'm going to really push for it as you know, as a as an artist. So, um, you know, I had just before COVID hit, I was going to book some shows, and I booked one in Los Angeles. We we're going to do a, a a writers round. You know, mm-hmm. two people from Los Angeles and and two people from Nashville. We're going to do one here here in Nashville. I'm going to do one in Los Angeles, and then that was all blown out the water because the world shut down. It, you know, the, I think March of 2020 or yeah, March of 2020, everything shut down. That was, was when the first show was going to happen. <sighs> so I'm like, yake, now what, you know, nobody knew what the heck was going to happen. So, mm-hmm. um, so I just started to, you know, just started to keep writing little things. And there was one, you know, we have horses out here. So there's one day I, I was out in the, uh, out in the barn in the stall, taking care of the horses. And I was just flipping through uh, YouTube and on the internet. And I came across a, uh, a, a video, a, a performance of Elliot Smith uh, joining John Bryan. John Bryan was, uh, he's, a, he's a composer and a producer and writer. But back then he was just a musician. Uh, he had a show every Friday night, um, at Largo in Hollywood and everybody in, in the whole the whole world down there came to see John Bryan play incredible musician, um, multi-instrumentalist. And he had this great, great show and he would have special guests come and play with him. And, and this particular one was Elliot Smith. And I, matter of fact, I think we probably were at that show because when we were at A&M, A&M recording studios, we used to go to this, John Bryan Friday night Largo thing. So, and I couldn't quite remember. Anyways, I saw this uh, Elliot Smith thing. So I said, I'll click on it and watch it for a few minutes. And I ended up watching the whole thing. It was like 40 minutes performance. And it inspired me so much that I came into the house and I started playing guitar. And, and, and within, within an hour, I had um, the first song for the record. I didn't know it was going to be a record at that point, living in LA. And, Later that night, I started coming together another song, Boxley Valley. The next day, I had that one finished. And then those four or five days after that, I had six songs done, demoed, uh, you know, and with, with, you know, just an acoustic performance with the melody lines and 
in the lyrics. Wow. And um, I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do with this? You know, I really like them. And I'm like, I guess, I guess I got an album going here. I'm, I'll, I'll keep on going. And so I did, I just, I just kept writing. And I was, I was kind of surprised that Elliot Smith had, had sparked that, that, that creativity in me. You know, usually over the years it had been David Bowie. Every time I listened uh-huh. to David Bowie, he would, he would get the creative juices flowing in me. Yeah. So this was kind of out of left field a little bit for me. I love, I love Elliot Smith and his music. Mm-hmm. And um, so, uh, you know, in about two weeks time, I had uh, about 10 songs and I started demoing them. I called up uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, Sean Fichter, drummer, who here in, here in Nashville, uh, we had this little 70s rock cover thing going on for the last couple of years uh, prior to COVID. We'd, we'd get together and, and get a, a show down here in Leaper's Fork at Puckett's and we'd put on, we'd, we'd play a bunch of 70s rock tunes, you know. That's awesome. And these guys, you know, uh, Sean played with uh, Tim McGraw and uh, Kenny Greenberg was guitar. He's He'd played with Kenny Chesney for the longest time. I, th- I think he just stopped playing with him. Um, wow. You know, these session guys yeah. that... I had uh, had met when I first moved here, and we we struck up a great a great friendship. So, um, and when it came t- time to do the record, I asked Sean if he'd like to drum, and he said sure. So, um, he started cutting drums for all the songs that I demoed, and I called up my buddy Jamie, my old bandmate that I, I did had the composing partnership with. He was still out in Los Angeles. I asked him if he wanted to join in and play guitar and bass and whatever he wanted to uh um contribute and he said sure mm-hmm. let's do it and and then another friend of mine uh stefano who's an artist in his own right out in los angeles stefano Capobianco, and he st- did some stuff so we flew this the sessions back and forth from nashville to uh, los angeles Kenny wow. Greenberg did some guitar on the record as well okay. and uh you know a few months down the road you know we we had we had a good seven solid songs that, that I thought, well, you know, a few of these, you know, this, this, this could do something here. You know, there was Mm -hmm. one song that I revisited from a while back called time won't heal, but all the others were, were written in, in, in 2020 in, um, in that two month, that two month. Yeah. That's, so there we go. We had a record, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I was so, so grateful and, and that these guys were willing to to play on the record. Um, you know, I remember one time getting a, a rough mix back and, you know, I usually wake up like before anybody does, you know, before even the sun comes up, I grab my coffee and I kind of stare out the window at the, the horses in the barn and stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just thinking about things, you know? Yeah. And I'm listening to one of the mixes and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is pretty good. I think I really like this actually. <laughs> I think, well, I think, you know, I think I may want the public to hear all this stuff too. So that's, you know, so then, you know, I, I get in the mode of, you know, what I had done years past with the band back then is like, okay, I guess I'm going to put a record out. So I got to get, get all the moves together of, of doing that. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, here we are. I mean, now it's out, right? Now I it's mean, out. Amazing. Yeah. I, you know, I think uh, I've gotten a lot of great feedback from it. Um, and, you know, it's ind- independent. I'm not with a label or a publishing mm-hmm. uh, house or anything. So, you know, there's only so much, so much that I can do. But I'm, I'm trying to do my part to, to 
let as many people hear this record as possible. You know, these, I, uh, uh, I'd like these little songs to grow <laughs> as the phrase would be. Sure. And, uh, you know, get as many people as possible to hear this. And, and so, yeah, um, it's, it's been really cool. I get to talk to people like you too. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah. It's a great record. I, I, I listened to it before we got on this call and, and I think, oh, cool. I mean, it's an awesome, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a rad record and that's awesome that you're still doing shows and, um, doing stuff around here since we both live around here. I'd love to come right. catch you play and. Oh yeah. That, uh, that'd be cool if you can do that. Show. Yeah. And I appreciate you doing this interview, John. This has been awesome. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me. It was fun talking to you. I like yeah. that we're neighbors too. Right, that's kind of cool, that's right? So cool. That's so yes. cool. Well, I have one more quick question for you. I okay. want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I do actually. Um, uh, I would say that if you really, if you really have passion for something, you, you gotta, you gotta stick to it. Right. Um, you know, we get bombarded by a bunch of stuff in life. And as you get older, there's other, other things, obligations that you need, but if you can, you can stay true and, and devote some time to your passion, then, um, uh, I think you'd be better, better off for it. Um, you know, as far as the trailer music and, and composing, it's, it's, it's really, you have to have skill for sure, you know, but it's all about the people that, uh, you meet. So, you know, in, in the, in the, in the network that, uh, that you become friends with and stuff like that, it's, it's that, that's helpful. So, um, I don't know, uh, you know, join a community of musicians or composers or whatever, or producers and editors, and you know, that, that type of thing. But, um, you know, everything's subjective. It's, it's so, it's so hard in, in the, in the music and the acting world. Mm-hmm. But, I think too, if if you just if you just stick stick to it, stick to your guns, be yourself, and then you know you you will succeed. It may take a little longer than you really would hope, but I think you would succeed. 